And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shot my cake hole. Do you want to go with that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> better than the first take. Okay. Let's roll. <laughs> and on this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the second episode of season two of Supernatural, titled Everybody Loves a Clown. Jamie, what did you think? Okay. So, let's start with the fact I was correct. Killer <laughs> Clown. Not a massive leap, but still, I was correct. So, do I get brownie points for that? You get... Three brownie points for that. Thank you. That's I okay. can't eat them because they're lactose intolerant. Look, they're imaginary brownies. They can be lactose-free, imaginary oh. brownies. Even gluten-free if you really want. And vegan. Yeah, I'm not that other shit. <laughs> Look, my point is they're imaginary brownie points. They can be whatever fucking kind of brownie you like. Okay. Lovely. That's great. Yeah. Also, I-, I think that's the first prediction you've actually like got. Correct, correct. Other than, like, Scarecrow, which you were like, it's about a Scarecrow. But then I think you said it was about a zombie Scarecrow. No, no, so... you talked about the Wizard of Oz. And <laughs> then right. we mm. were like, well, the Scarecrow needed a brain, so maybe mm. it's a zombie. Okay. That was not my legitimate <laughs> prediction. That was us building upon a joke. So you don't get to hold that against me, Bethany. Oh, sorry. Okay, well, in any case, you did well with your prediction. So congratulations. Three brownie points to you. Um, but what did you think of the episode itself? Oh, I was just basking in the fact I was oh, right for sorry. a <laughs> Sorry, I'll give you a minute to enjoy it. <laughs> okay, very first scene. Let's start at the beginning. I don't know where else to start with this yeah, episode. that's fine. There's literally like the first family that gets murdered. Yeah. Right in front of clowns, the dad goes, God, I hate clowns. I know. <laughs> really fucking loud in front of the fucking clowns. How goddamn rude. I know, so disrespectful. Deserve to get murdered by a clown. Oh, it was so mean. you got to respect the profession. They're there to entertain you. And if you don't like clowns, then don't go to the circus, I guess. Don't like, go to see fucking clowns. Go to the movies. It's Just not that hard. Take your kid bowling or something. Like, you don't have to go to the carnival. Like, you know, I don't know. There are other options. <laughs> or you could even just be like... I'm walking away from the fucking clowns. Do you know what's funny is I was never really scared of clowns as a kid. Were you ever scared of clowns? Was that no. a thing for you? Because My never... sister was terrified of clowns. Really? Yeah. I was never scared of clowns though. Like, clowns aren't scary to me. Do you know what's funny? I, I say I wasn't scared of clowns and I wasn't. People as clowns I was never scared of, except for the weird 2016 murder clown situation, which was even then, I was scared of those story. clowns. The chances of one of them actually murdering someone alone—they just want to stand in a cemetery and look creepy and scare people. Like True. It, the goal for them was not like I want to murder some people. <laughs> the goal for them was like I want to just kind of like scare people, which is like wasn't there that theory that they were actually like a pretty fucked up promotion for the It movie? Yeah. Let's um, just say that PR person, if it was in fact a PR move, should have gotten fired. Yeah. <laughs> Look, 2016 was a weird time for everyone. But yeah, no, I, I say, I, and it's true, I've, I've never really been scared of clowns, like people as clowns, like circus clowns. However, I did, when I was a child, have, like, this one, like, giant pink soft toy that was a clown. I know, weird. <laughs> I also had a porcelain clown. And these were had been my mum's, and I swear to God, they were both haunted. I... I'm so dead serious. I remember being a kid and, like, being so scared of these clowns. The actual clowns themselves, like, people as clowns, couldn't care less. They were funny. They squirted water out of a flower. Ha ha. Red nose. Ha ha. But the toy clowns on my shelves, I swear they used to move by themselves. Like, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and the pink fucking legs were just swinging back and forth like it was just sitting on a swing. And you know how you kick your legs? Yeah. It was like that. And it was, like, 2 a.m., no one else was in my room. And, like, I would just wake up and, like, the black porcelain clown would have moved to a different spot on my shelf. And I couldn't reach the shelves because I was a small child and they were tall shelves. And unless one of my parents was sneaking into my room in the middle of the night for the sole purpose of scaring the shit out of me... Wouldn't put it past your father. Look, you're not wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I just pointed at you and that's really aggressive, but... I find it really funny, though, because in that entire monologue, you were like... "I Look, I'm an expressive person. <laughs> like, no one can see your hands, Bethany. I They're not emphasizing I can see my hands. You can see my hands. The microphone can't okay, see anything. back to topic. <laughs> anyway, so people clowns, not scary. Toy clowns that move by themselves, scary. Still a good chance it was just your dad trying to creep you out. Look, <laughs> I, I remember telling my mum once, I was like, mum, they're haunted. She was like, what are you talking about, Bethany? I was like, 
they move by themselves. And she literally looked at me and was like, oh, sometimes I go in there and rearrange them. And I'm like, she must be trying to like calm me down. Because there's no, there is no way that you're going into my room. None of the other toys got moved around, just the fucking clowns. And like, that doesn't explain it's swinging its legs by itself. So I maintain haunted clowns. I did have them removed from my room as soon as I was old enough to be like, I don't want these in my room. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, fun facts about my childhood, I guess. (laughs) I'm just... Like, so much is making sense right now. I'm like, why was she so terrified of me summoning Bloody Bloody Mary? Like, that is no issue. Like, Bloody Mary is not real. And you were like, Jamie, legit, fucking stop. Like, I am terrified. I'm like, oh, she's just like, you actually genuinely believe in ghosts. I genuinely believe in ghosts. I have had it. Do you know about Patrice? I feel like you mentioned, like, the name sounds Patrice who haunted my dad's house? Yes, I do remember you telling me about Genuinely. The listeners will not, because I'm pretty sure I cut all of that out of the episode. Look, (laughs) in case this gets left in, I will briefly explain. I used to live with a friend of mine in, like, my dad was working away and we were staying in his house. And I shit you not, the amount of crap that went down in that house, like, we would just be, like, sitting in the lounge room and then on the other side of the house we'd hear a crash and we'd go and look and, like, the bin lid will have thrown itself across the room, like, five metres away from where the bin is. No reason why it should have popped off. Like, you would have to have pick it up and throw it. Like, we Bob came... the ghost challenger was just trying to do his job. <laughs> yeah. Or one time, like, we came home and we'd both been out all day. We came home and there were, like, dog biscuits that were arranged in the shape of a dog on the floor. Like, it was... No one else had been home. No one else had a reason to be in the house. It clearly wasn't the dog that had done this. Like, bizarre things. And then one day, we had some fortune cookies... And as a joke, we like, I opened one and she opened one and we, we opened one for the, the ghost, <laughs> you know, to try and appease it so it didn't murder us in our sleep. And um, I opened the one for the ghost. The fortune was, big energy is coming your way. Use it to your advantage. Which was horrifying. And then I opened mine and mine said, never turn back. I You're did not sleep well that night. More scary than it. <laughs> it was scary. Of all the fortunes I could possibly have picked, and like my friend got a fucking normal one, but my <laughs> hers was something like you know, I don't know, you know, live every day or I mean, that would have been scary actually. Live every day like your last. You're like it's your last. No, so it kind of is my. But it was like a normal fucking fortune. It was like watch a movie or something, you know. And mine was just... Is that a normal fortune, though? Yes, because that's a different fortune we got on a different day from the same cookie company. But, (laughs) like, oh, God. Anyway, Patrice is a long story. There are so many things, but they were probably the main main points. Anywho, back to to the topic. Where would you like to move next? I feel like Um, you you have been... I've got a lot of energy this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, my first point is... I don't know why you would bring the clown inside. Okay, so we've reached my PSA of the day. Oh, perfect. What's the which PSA? Which is, don't let fucking strangers into your house. Understand she's a child. Yeah. But also, like... She's not that young. It's a fucking creepy as fuck clown that you don't know. Yeah. That followed you home from a carnival. Don't let it into your house. Yeah. I know it sounds very specific to this episode of Supernatural, but, like, I think my point is applicable to a lot of situations in that don't let people that you don't know into your house. Mm. Like, it's one thing if it's, like, you know, a plumber or something and they need to do repairs and you've, like, called a plumber and you're (laughs) expecting a plumber. It's another thing for somebody to show up and be like, oh, we're from the gas company. You mean like Sam and Dean in every other episode? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Like Sam and Dean in every fucking episode and like every fucking TV show I've ever watched where they need to gain access to a house for whatever reason. From the gas company. Yeah. Like I know kids are like innocent and naive and trusting and, and all these things, but I wouldn't have. Yeah. Would you have let the creepy no. clown into the house? And like, even at that age, like, I feel like the kids that were in the episode were old enough, maybe not the boy. Mm. The little boy seemed a lot younger. He seemed like four or five, maybe. Yeah, although he was old enough to be playing the game, so maybe like six, seven, mm. maybe he was just short. But the maybe. the girl at the start, she definitely could have been ten. She looked, yeah, ten, eleven is what I was sort of Yeah, thinking. so like, she was definitely old enough to understand the concept of don't talk to strangers, 
don't let strange clowns in the house, like, at night time as well, you know, yeah. this is not a normal time for, like, no. visitors. So that just seems kind of bizarre to me. Although, at some point in the series, they do actually introduce the concept of these uh, these creatures that are actually, I can't think what the name of them are, like, the official name, but they're essentially, they are imaginary friends. Like, imaginary friends are, like, canon within Supernatural, and they're actually, like, a creature that is, like, their job. They're kind of like a social worker, but Supernatural. So I guess maybe if that child had previously had an imaginary friend, then they would then maybe recognise the clown as, like, maybe a similar entity, but still weird. Yeah. The clown says nothing, by the way. Like, the clown doesn't... Creepy. It, It... Silent. Mm. Like, I mean, later we find that the clown actually had quite a few lines because the clown isn't really a clown. The clown's only pretending to be a clown to gain the trust of the children. Yeah. So we know it as an entity. It can speak. Yeah. Because the person who is actually... I don't remember how they describe him. Like, it's yeah, some sort of... the name of the... Oh, uh, it's called a Rakshaka. That's the monster okay. of the... Monster yeah. of the week for this, this episode is the Rakshaka. They don't really describe... Like, you, you know that when it's not pretending to be a clown, like, it does speak. Yeah. It makes no sense for it to not speak. I guess it doesn't really need to. And I guess if you think of, like, a clown, like, the performance of a clown, some of them don't speak. Like, they more yeah. do mime or, like, physical comedy yeah. without vocal, like, yeah. vocalizations, I guess. So maybe it's part of the disguise, you know? I mean, it also may just be, now that I'm thinking about it, it may just be that he's worried that if he was to speak, somebody could recognize his voice. True. Because if, like, his appearance, you can change pretty drastically your appearance. But, like, your voice is... I mean, that's why we have, like, voice protected, yeah. like... For the writers, it may have just been a thing of they wanted to keep the twist a surprise till the end. That's so like... if they had the clown speak at all, the voice would either have to match or the audience would be like, how the fuck does this line up? Yeah. Or, to be honest, it's probably more of a... If you're looking at it from, like, a creative direction... Like, perspective. A silent clown, a clown is creepier. A silent clown is freakier. Yeah. Like, I, I would be much more scared of a clown that stood in front of me and just kind of smiled and waved than I would be by a clown that was like, sup? <laughs> you know? Actually, speaking of creative direction, I wanted to note that this episode was directed by Philip uh, Scretia. I don't actually know how to pronounce his surname. Um, You're the bigger fan than I am. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, and I just wanted to mention it because I thought the direction was pretty good this episode. I thought it was more interesting than some, like, a lot of the first season. So I went back and checked. And actually, he did direct two episodes in season one. He directed Nightmare and Nightmare and Providence. Providence yeah. Which I think, I might be wrong, but I think we did talk about the direction in those episodes being a bit better. And I, I noted his name because he's definitely a name that comes up throughout the seasons. And he did, uh, he was involved with a fair few of my favourite episodes in particular in the upcoming seasons as well. So I just thought it was worth noting that this is one of his first episodes. I don't know if you notice anything in particular about it, but I just wanted to mention it. The direction and lighting were pretty par the course for my established <laughs> opinions. Yeah. Um, they did use some more creative shots. I really did enjoy this shot in the Funhouse Mirrors. Yeah, yeah. That I enjoyed. And I also know I have done research and stuff into filming with mirrors and I know that it is not necessarily the easiest accomplishment yeah. based on uh, the math and shit you have to do into angles to make to not see the cameras to not see stuff. the cameras yeah. and to make sure you've got like what you want in frame and like it's very precise camera positioning and actor positioning and like that's some really good shots with like the reflection and the reflection and the reflection of the mirrors where it's sort of, like some of them are really good so I did spot them and I did think they were some really interesting shots. Yeah. And I also quite liked the opening scene. Because it was the balloon. Yeah, yeah, and it was more colourful than a lot of what Supernatural... It was still desaturated, but it was, like, not desaturated in the way of, like, dead in the water, where it was, like... All grey. Oh, this is grey now. Yeah, yeah. Like, it still very much had, like, those... Car- it just seemed fitting. Like, it was, like, a mimicry of the vibrancy that it should have been. Yeah. Versus yeah. just, like oh, we want to make this look more serious than it is, so we're, like, sucking all the colour out of it. But no, I, yeah, I didn't have too many comments, actually, about the direction or the lighting this episode, which is probably a good sign. Normally, if I'm like, oh, I took note of this, it was like, I hated every moment of this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was not good. 
I think I'm also just getting desensitized yeah. to like <laughs> the lack of lighting and the color palette as yeah. as I go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I did want to talk about though, yeah, is the second family that gets murdered, right? With the little boy. With the little Evan. boy. Yeah, yeah. The dad straight up says to the little boy, "Clowns are nice." And that straight up led to his murder. Because if he hadn't said that to the little boy, the little boy would not have let the clown into the house. I know. And he's just like, you were right, Dad. He is my friend. And the dad's like, what? And then he, like, looks and, God, wouldn't you shit yourself? I would. If you, if you were in, like, the dad's position and you just, like, look at your kid and you're like, what? And you're like, who the fuck is that? Oh, my God. And then you die immediately. Yeah. Also weird that, like, I think they mentioned the episode, like, oh, like, why don't they kill the kids? Like, they only kill the parents. And it's like, yeah, weird. Well, they do actually have a theory for that in the episode. Which is, that, what, the kids just don't have enough meat on them? Yeah. Which is horrifying. <laughs> but yeah. I, I just find it, like, interesting that, like, they leave, let the kids live. They and just, I think it's just that they have a complex moral compass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing to do about, like, whether or not it's even worth killing a kid for the meat. But also, yeah. like... The way that it's described is, like, the parents were, like, eviscerated and, like... Like, cut up into cut up lots of little pieces. Like, how much is he eating? There's no delicate way to say this. It's like, yeah. just how much human is he eating? Yeah. Do you reckon? Okay. Stupid question. Stupid question. Is this the point of the episode where Bethany spirals into a stupid theory? <laughs> Could be. We'll find out. Imagine you're a Ratshaka. Yeah. Would, like, could you... <laughs> okay. So, bear with me for just like a minute. There are many species within Supernatural okay. that eat people or components of people. Like, yeah, vampires have blood and, like, werewolves eat hearts. And Are you suggesting they, like... Zombies eat brains. So zombies exist in the Supernatural universe? Not really, but, like, you know... Just an example that's well known. Yeah. Are you going to... This is where I think you're going with this. Are you going to suggest that they kill, like, one human and they each take, like, what they want from the human? Well, I'm just thinking, say they wanted to have a potluck. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know how you go around to your friend's place and you're like, oh, there's, like, eight people coming for dinner. You bring a salad. You bring drinks. You bring... Like, are they all just... Do you know what I mean? Like, could you... Like, okay. If you're one vampire, say you don't have, like... Or, like, two vampires, Right. You're like, you know, you don't need to kill a whole family for just two of you, you know? And then there's the whole thing where they, like, sometimes keep them hostage and, like, drain them over time. That just seems like a lot of effort. And it's harder because what if someone finds them? And it's like a whole thing. Police on your track. But if you had a dinner party, right? If so you were, like, two vampires. A when- yeah. Like, if you were, <laughs> yeah. If you were two vampires or a chaka, like, could you just have, like, a, like, oh, See you next Tuesday, you know, and you all like catch up and like, you know, have a glass of blood and each week everyone br- like, goes to in, someone else's every- lair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it like rotates around like, oh, you, you bring the yeah. human this week. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like I'm imagining Scrabble night, but with humans as the meat. We have barbecues fairly regularly throughout the summer and you like you do that thing where like you go oh well I went to their house for last you know a couple Sundays ago we had a barbecue there well now it's the time that you come here and we have a barbecue here and you bring a salad and you bring a box of favorites because that's what you bring when you're told not to bring a thing and, <laughs> and, you know and they bring the shapes and and then you just you know you pay for the meat you bring the meat and they bring all the side bits and the snacks and the drinks and then you go to someone else's next Sunday and they bring the meat and you bring the snacks and you just kind of rotate through. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that this is what happens in the supernatural universe, but I'm just saying maybe it should. You know, and then you don't have to worry too much about like, oh, well, a lot of people have been going missing in this particular town because you're rotating. So it's like, well, someone goes missing here and then no one goes missing for six months and then someone else goes missing. And it's like less conspicuous than if someone went missing every fucking week. I'm just saying... I feel like if they had a nice social rotation, they'd be harder to track. (laughs) (laughs) No, all I'm imagining is it's like, ah, yes, this is like a vintage human. I've had them in my cellar for the last 1994 camper. Yeah, do you reckon? (laughs) 
can you imagine like you know how we talk about like uh, wines or something and it's yeah. like or like I that's mean, exactly what I was thinking yeah, about yeah. Like, and it's like oh now this one was from the drought so it's sweeter than usual and it's like talking about like I don't know sugar content um, in grapes because this, of the lack of rain and yeah and yep. it's like now this human <laughs> this human comes from this area of the world which means they largely ate this type of food which really has this impact on the flavour of the meat or whatever like can you imagine there's like a gourmet like black market of oh, this is getting too far <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm imagining like a farmer's market now, but it's like delicatessen, like human meats. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Yeah. Um, that was a lot. My apologies. <laughs> okay, so moving on from that, whatever that was. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the location of the valve for the steam. How fucking convenient. Yeah, very weird. Very weird. Very like, weird. Wh- why does it have, like, I like the it... organ have, like, a direct, like, fog spout that comes right out of the front? That is a weird location it considering... very weird. I originally thought he was pulling, like, a sprinkler, like a fire system. Yeah. That's what I thought he was doing. Yeah. And then, like, when it rerouted the fog, I was like, oh, that's quite clever, but I am confused. Why is that even an option? Like, yeah. <laughs> what functionality does that serve in, like, the fun house? Yeah, like, it's it's a bit confusing. Although I did think it was, like, it was clever. It was yes. clever, but it didn't make sense. It was clever, sense. but, like, it doesn't make sense. Mm. Like, it made sense for Sam to do it as a character. It doesn't make sense for that to be how the building is designed. I think Dean pulls it. Because so yes, uh, no, Sam stabs him with the organ part. Yes, because uh, Dean is pinned to the wall. To the wall with the knives, yeah. yeah. Taking a step away from, I guess, the plot of the episode for a yes, second. Yes, I was getting the plot out of the way because then yeah. we can discuss what I'm assuming you want to actually discuss with me about this. Yes, so relatively close to the start of the episode, I'm just going to put it out there very quickly. Um, we have John's funeral with the burning body and the, the pyre. Now, you, this is the first like funeral we've seen on the show. That is what is considered, like, quote-unquote, a hunter's funeral. Like, you burn the body because, obviously... If there are bones, then you can become a ghost. Yeah, so it's, like, destroying the, the body before the chance of, like... Becoming the monster that you have in uh, Yeah, have yet. Yeah. Which I think is funny because up until this point, like, with the threat of, like, Dean dying or whatever, like, he always talked about, I'll be a rotting corpse in the ground. And it's like, well, you wouldn't because this is how mm-hmm. hunters are... are commemorated? Commemorated? Traditionally. Memorialised? Yeah. You know what I mean. Like, this is the traditional funeral is you burn them. So you never would have been a rotting corpse, but anyway. So it's the first hunter's funeral we see, which is relevant because there are a few within the show, and it's always a very similar structure. It's always the pyre, it's always the body wrapped in linen on top, and it's always the burning. We also obviously have Sam and Dean's reactions, um, and it included in that is the first instance of a single man tear from Jensen. I didn't spot the single man here. And I, I just realised that I do actually have a complaint about the lighting and direction in this episode. Oh, you do? Specifically the funeral pyre scene. Okay. Like, it's pitch black and there's sudden bursts of brightness. It literally hurt my eyes to look at. When, like, the flames are, like, flickering over the brothers' faces. Oh, really? I, I quite like it when they do that. It like, the hurt flame. my eyes. Really? It hurt my... I don't know why, but it just hurt my eyes. I think it's because of like my eyes were like adjusted to the dark because I watch in a dark room because otherwise you can't see anything. Yeah. So you've got to watch it in like the pitch black, otherwise you can't see what's actually happening on screen. Yeah. So my eyes were like adjusted to the darkness, and then because the flame was so bright, it was like burning my eyes. <laughs> I didn't find that. I quite like when they use shots where you can see um, faces illuminated by flame, just because I really like the effect. Of, like, the sort of more orange light and the flickering. And I find it quite aesthetically pleasing. I can understand, like... I mean, I'm the kind of person who always has my phone on, like, minimum brightness and stuff. I can't. Like, sometimes people will be like, oh, look at this on their computer. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't fucking see. That's so bright. So I get it. The supernatural effect. Yeah, yeah, literally. I'm like, I've I've adjusted to having no light. So now any light hurts my brain. Yes, no. So I can understand where you're coming from. I personally don't find that. I think it looks quite nice. One other thing that I wanted to point out from that scene is Sam specifically asks Dean, before he died, did he say anything to you? Did John say anything to you? And Dean says, no. Which we as the audience know is a blatant lie. I want to know what 
you think about that situation because I obviously know what it is he said but I'm interested to see where your brains are and I think I already asked you about this you asked me last episode what I think that John said to Dean yeah. before John died and I don't really have any new information so I don't really want to elaborate on that okay no that's fine I just didn't know if you'd maybe thought any more about it so that's fine Bethany I don't think about supernatural <laughs> outside of either watching it or recording these because even when I'm editing, I'm not thinking about Supernatural. I'm thinking, wow, that's a weird voice prank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I think it's interesting. Like, it's clearly something that, for whatever reason, Dean doesn't feel like he can tell Sam. So I didn't know if, you know, having... Because obviously at the end of last episode, John tells Dean something, but there's not really a chance for them to talk about it. Whereas in this, like, Sam specifically asks him hey did he say anything to you and dean says no so i guess for like here's the thing though i already knew that it was something that john like that sam shouldn't know for whatever reason whether that is true or not i don't know but i already knew that it's something that would probably send sam off the deep end if he knew because otherwise john would have just fucking told both of them before he died yeah you know it's not really providing me anything new because obviously the only new information it provides to me is Dean agrees with John that Sam shouldn't know this. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's all good. So is this like the roadhouse, the roadhouse? Yes. So we get the new location, the roadhouse, and we get the new characters, Ellen, Joe, and Ash. And I am so ready to hear any opinions you have. <laughs> well, first of all, I love them. Yes. Wonderful. I also love them. <laughs> Second of all, I want to talk about, like, the scene where they first walk into the bar. Yeah. And, like, they straight up, like, Joe cocks the rifle on Dean. Yeah. And has it right against his back. And then Dean spins around, grabs a gun from her, and empties the chamber. Yeah. Right? And she punches him in the face. Punches him in the face, <laughs> and she takes the gun back and she holds the gun on him. Yeah. He emptied the chamber. Yeah. <laughs> Holding the gun on him does nothing. I mean, I guess... The gun just, is not loaded. She can still whack him with it. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're holding a gun, like, even if it's not loaded, it would feel weird if she just, like, held it down at her side. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it would look funny. Yeah, but also, the gun is not loaded. Yeah, I mean, it's still a long metal thing. Like, you could still whack him with it. Like, it's like having a golf club, you know? Still a weapon, if you want it to be. Just because it doesn't shoot things. Like, you're right. You're right. I'm just saying. Like, if she still needed to use it as a weapon, like, there are more ways you can use a gun as a weapon than just by shooting. Yeah. Like, it's a heavy, solid metal object. Like, you can still whack someone with it. I did want to note about Ellen and Joe the immediate turnaround as soon as they are, like, Ellen's like, Winchester? And they're like, yeah. And she's just, like, just starts laughing. And she's like, oh, fucking all right. Like... <laughs> How do you? Like, like that you makes sense why you're... You still broke into my property, but, like, it's fine, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> what gets me, though, is they just don't mention that John is dead. Like, they just casually don't even, like... and Until Joe's like, oh, well, why... Not Joe. Uh, until yeah. Ellen is like, oh, well, why would John send you? Yeah. And it's like, because he didn't send them because he's dead. I guess it's more of a case of, like... When something, like, it's very fresh, like, it's been, what, a week? I think Sam says that they've been at Bobby's for a week. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty damn fresh. But also, like, there are multiple opportunities in the conversation up to that point to be like... Yeah, but I guess my point is that you might not want to talk about it. Like, there are people that they've literally just met. They don't know if they can trust them. They don't know who they are to John. You know, they knew that they we're familiar with each other, but that doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, Bobby was familiar with John, and last time he saw Johnny try to shoot him, so... Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, to and actually, though, they still trust Bobby, so... Yeah, and actually, I think they and Bobby have a different relationship, which we'll get into in later episodes. But to seasons. be fair, they also do know Bobby. Like, they had met Bobby previously. Yeah, that's what I like, was kind of getting at, yeah. Whereas they'd never met Ellen or John. They'd never even heard of them, and I think, um, actually... Sam mentions in the episode, like, you know, do you think that Dad and Ellen ever, like, had a thing? And Dean's like, well, no, like, otherwise, like, we would have heard about her or whatever. They probably just had, like, a falling out. And Sam's like, ever noticed that Dad had a falling out with, like, just about fucking everybody? (laughs) 
What I would like to, sorry, it just occurred to me, and I want to take it back a little bit, though. Yeah. Is they find Ellen and Joe, because Sam's like, I finally cracked Dad's cell, like, fourth cell phone or whatever. Like, it, yeah. it implied that he had multiple cell phones. He's like, I finally cracked, like, Dad's cell phone. The voicemail, the yeah. Vo- like, there's this voicemail. And it's like, I remember, like, not even, like, a dozen episodes ago, you were telling me that your father could barely work a toaster. <laughs> Yeah, the flip-flopping around John. And actually, I wanted to mention that as well. Like, they suddenly this episode are talking about, like, what a good tracker, like, John is. Like, Ash mentions, like, no one can track a demon like this. And they're like, well, our dad could. And it's like, they can't decide if John is good at his <laughs> job. Or bad at his job. Or if he's a good parent or if he's a shit parent. Or if he is, like, you know, they just can't decide anything about this man. It's... It's ridiculous. It's kind of getting annoying. Like, just the inconsistencies <laughs> and the flip-flopping between, like, oh, John was really good at his job. Oh, no, actually, he wasn't all that good at his job. Like, I lean more towards John was a mediocre hunter and a bad parent. Yeah. Then John was, you know, a really good hunter and he was trying the best he could with his kids. Because, like, that final deal he made for, like, to save Dean and die instead was the wrong choice on both counts. Like, it's just the wrong choice in so many ways. It's the wrong choice as a father because you're abandoning your kids to a demon who wants to kill them with no weapon to defend themselves. And also you're putting the guilt on your child. Like, I'm dead because I had to save you. The worst thing about that I also found was, like, it's just so inconsistent. Like, in faith, yeah. Dean is also in a hospital dying yeah john knows he's in a hospital dying gives no shits give no shits zero zip zilch he doesn't care that dean is dying or at least he doesn't make an effort to show that he cares like there's no phone call he doesn't come visit he doesn't send fucking flowers like he doesn't try to do any research into anyone who could help dean that we see that we see yeah it's like he put in he didn't give a shit when dean was dying the first time why is this time any different? Like, just yeah. that inconsistency. It's like either he loves his son enough to sacrifice himself and any chance he has at any sort of revenge for Mary. Yeah. Or, you know, like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit... And actually, speaking of contradictions between characters, I think it's probably a good point to mention Sam has done a complete 180 as well, like, in the wake of John's death. And actually, Dean points it out and gets quite shitty. Mm which I think rightly so within yeah. the episode, where suddenly Sam's oh so concerned about what, what John, John wanted. wanted. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's what Dad would have wanted. And like, I don't know if I'm going back to school because Dad wouldn't have wanted me to. And, you know, and he even kind of at the very start of the episode comes out to Dean and is like, you know, you're not coping. Like, I don't care how you try to cope with this, but you need to, like, address it. You need to handle it. And Dean's like, I am handling it you aren't like you know just let me grieve the way that i need to grieve you actually need to address the fact that you're not coping because you feel guilty because you feel like you never resolved your issues and now he's dead like they're grieving different things i think like dean is grieving i mean they're both grieving their father but like dean is grieving him from the perspective of my idol just Someone who I believe to be basically indestructible because of... He died, and he died so that I could live, which puts a huge burden on him to then, like... Do they actually know that John traded his life for Dean? I think it's safe to assume that they would assume that themselves, because Dean miraculously recovers, and then John's fucking dead. Like, they have an idea, but they don't know exactly what happened. Yeah, and the cult's gone as well. So it's like, I feel like... I don't know if they've explicitly stated it, but I feel like it's safe to assume that's probably the jump they've made. Yeah. Um, And also... That's what they think, but they don't have any evidence. Yeah. So Dean is grieving from a perspective of, like, he's died for me, you know, and we know that Dean doesn't think he's worthy of just about fucking anything. So the fact that his dad, who's his idol, has given his life, you know, he feels shitty about that. And then there's Sam, who is grieving the chance to like repair the relationship i guess the last time he ever saw john he was trying to pick a fight with him for sam it's about regret for dean it's about guilt yeah or even more burden i guess Mm. like because i feel like i feel like both of them feel guilty yeah sam actually vocalizes that in the end of the episode as well like he admits that yeah dean's right like he feels guilty now that john is gone yeah he's trying to make it up 
by doing what he thinks John would have wanted. Okay, moving away from the talk of John, because we are beating a dead horse at this point. Yeah, sorry. We have established our opinions on him, and yes, Eileen definitely more on the camp of, like, he's a mediocre hunter and a shitty parent. Like, because if he was a decent hunter, he wouldn't have made a deal with the fucking devil. Like, yeah. he would know that that was not going to end well for anybody. If he is as good as they say he is. I also think, and I swear this is the last thing I'm going to say, I think... The reason I would say he's like a mediocre hunter is not because of what he is capable of doing in like by himself, but it's because he clearly never utilized the resources he had around him. Because yeah. Ash is like, well, I can just put this into a computer. He knew Ellen and Joe and Ash. We know this. Yes. So why the fuck did he not outsource and say, hey, can you help me? Like, how much fucking simpler could that have been? Or like Bobby, like he hadn't talked to Bobby. Bobby clearly has a pretty in-depth knowledge of demons. Like, and Missouri. Like, why is he not utilizing these contacts? Like, yeah. that is bizarre to me. And that's what why I would say that he was not as good of a hunter as he could have been. Yeah. Because he was not, he was he so... He certainly had potential as a Single-minded that he just couldn't accept help or like ask for help from anyone else. And it's just stupid because you're just wasting the opportunity. Yeah. He could have been... A great hunter if he had deigned to fucking share any of his information or the like the evidence that he had collected with literally anybody else if he had literally gotten a second opinion from these other hunters who have more experience because they've been hunting longer than him i don't know so much about joe and ellen they haven't really covered that yeah but i know for a fact bobby had been hunting before before John. john We know for a fact Missouri had more information than John did because Missouri showed, showed John, John half yeah. of it. And then we also can pretty well safely assume that Ash has more knowledge. Maybe not about Supernatural and I don't know if he does or not about Supernatural, yeah. etc. But about computers yeah, information and technology. technology. Yeah. He has so much more knowledge because he was, did he say he dropped out of MIT? He was kicked out of MIT. He was kicked out of MIT. Yeah, which is so funny. Actually... One other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of just, like, information sharing and, like, the hunter community. Ellen says to, like, I think Dean says, like, what information, like, are you talking about? And she says, well, about the demon, obviously. And Dean's like, I'm sorry, was there an article in Demon Hunters Quarterly that I missed? Which, hilarious line. I love that. But it also shows that, like, clearly John was talking to people outside of his sons. His sons. But he never bothered to, like, include his his sons But also, his sons are the two people that he has left in In the fucking fiery (laughs) line of this demon. Oh, it's so stupid. But look, I um, I do just want to really quickly want to talk about Ellen Joe and Ash just as characters. Yeah. Just because I think they're really fun. And I think one of the things that um, stands out is a few episodes ago, you mentioned that, like, all of the sort of female characters seem to be pretty, like, cookie cutter, like, same vibes, I think is what you said. Yeah. I like that Ellen and Joe, to me, don't feel like they're the same vibe. Kind of like Meg. Do you know what I mean? They do kind of have the same vibe, though. Just like, obviously, these are all unique characters. They are, they do have their own unique qualities. But when I say same vibe, I mean, like, Ellen and Joe both give off this, like, tougher than you sort of, like, hyper-competent, like, not showing any weakness sort of vibe that a lot of the supporting characters have in the earlier season well in the first season in the first season and obviously there are some notable exceptions to this rule meg is one who who she does have the competent vibes but it's like competent in a different way she's evil (laughs) she's evil so if we just quickly run through some of the episodes i remember like in wendigo the sister yeah same vibe yeah same vibe (laughs) vibe check i mean maybe it's because i know Um, the characters more but i guess yeah at first yeah. glance, they have very similar vibes to, like, the the widow in Dead in the Water. Yeah. To the stewardess in Phantom Traveler. Yeah. To a lot of... They have very similar, like, hyper-competent, better-than-you vibe. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how to put it into words, <laughs> but, like, the, the vibes are the same. Like, they're very clearly different characters. Yeah. But the vibes are the same. Though, from what I can tell, they do become recurring characters, which I think one of the things that makes that, like, same vibe thing so prominent is a lot of these characters are, like, in one episode. They don't have time to develop. They don't have time to develop a personality beyond that sort of 
badass, competent, like smarter than the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> like is probably another way to like describe it because like another one that really comes to mind is a uh, her name's Sarah from Provenance. Yeah. Same vibe. Even hell Cassie from Route Six Six Six. Same vibe. Fucking <laughs> Linda from Bugs. Not yeah. same vibe at all. <laughs> yeah. No, I um one thing I do really like about Joe is like obviously her and Dean have like a flirty moment through the episode where like he kind of starts to hit on her and then realizes he's hitting on her is probably not gonna well I think he more realizes he's not in the right space yeah. to be hitting on it like he doesn't want yeah. what he would normally be going like he kind of is hitting on her out of habit I love that she completely reads his like mo like she's like oh you know most hunters think they can get in my pants with like beer pizza and like the first side of like a Led Zeppelin tape or whatever and Dean kind of like is like, huh, you know, like, oh shit, that's like Just literally, literally what I would have done. And I like that later in the episode, like he says to her, like, look, I've got to be honest with you. It's literally what I would have, like, I would have been hitting on you so hard, so fast, but like, it's just not, I'm just not in that place right now. And, you know, I quite like, as like a, a potential pairing, I quite like Dean and Joe. She's the only character that I would actually like as a match for Dean outside of Cass which obviously you haven't seen them interact before. What about Cassie? Cassie I like I don't think it would have worked I really like Cassie as a character I think she's fantastic. In like an AU it works but not in this universe. Yeah and I think purely because they their lifestyles just wouldn't match but because Joe is already like part of the community yeah it would work yeah. and I think that goes like through the seasons obviously the boys have love interests and I think the common denominator is like it doesn't work if they're not part of the life. You can't balance suburbia and yeah. hunting. It just, it never quite Balances correlates because yeah. they're always in danger because of you, you know, and there's a weird line to walk where it's like, how much do you tell them? What can you tell them? Yeah. And it, it it's just messy. And it might be a bit different if they're, say, like a retired hunter and like they're no longer in the life. But, like, they also know exactly what you're doing and, like, yeah. they know the truth of it, whereas... Yeah, if you... It's a civilian situation and also, obviously, like, they're travelling everywhere. Like, it makes it more difficult. But, yeah, so I really like Jo as a character. She's really fun. I think you're going to like her more and more as we go. And Ash. <laughs> Though I will admit that Jo gave off more same vibes than Ellen did. For I, me, at least. I agree. I think it's because... Joe is younger, whereas Ellen has the. She seems more mature, mature more experienced, more, more like Missouri, yeah, than like vibes wise, yeah. more like Missouri than like the like other... a cross between the same vibes of everyone else and like Missouri, yeah, yeah, like, just like midway between those two points, yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> it's a spectrum. Actually, one point. every female character, yeah, <laughs> and I love. Uh, towards the end of the episode when Joe's kind of like eyeing Sam like um you should leave because I want to talk to Dean by ourselves like you should and Sam's just like oh I should uh I gotta go over there (laughs) he just like gets up and walks away I just thought I I love that little interaction I just thought it was so funny and actually in this episode there was a, a lot and I think this becomes like a running sort of not theme of Supernatural, but it definitely is like a reoccurring thing where they have a lot of like quite lighthearted moments throughout the episodes and like little one-liners and things that are just sort of a, a brief relief. Like a Marvel movie. Yeah, actually. Very similar, you know. But with Ash... like a tenth of the lighting budget. <laughs> yeah, with a tenth of the lighting budget. Like where Ash is like, oh, it's going to take a bit of time. Like, give me 51 hours, you know, or um, the siblingness of when... Uh, Sam and Dean go in to have the interview with the head of the circus mm-hmm. and like Dean sees the clown themed chair and he's like oh gotta make a Sam sit in that like <laughs> there's not even a second of like hmm, maybe I'll take the clown chair like no Sam is gonna sit in the clown chair and he's which, gonna be uncomfortable about let's it. Let's discuss that from half a hot second. Okay. Which is scarier clowns or flying? Weigh in on the debate. Me? Yeah. Flying. Flying? I love flying but I don't find clowns scary. Like, yeah. if I'm like, how what, how am I most likely to die? Flying. Dying in a plane crash yeah. is probably more likely than being killed by a clown. Although, in the COVID climate, where I'm not flying ever, maybe clown. I am more likely to be killed by a clown. It's clown surprise winner. I mean, you did have the possessed clown, clowns as a child. The so. clown wins on a technicality. <laughs> like, the clown wins because there is no possibility of me flying. I, I think, what about you? 
I, I think definitely flying. Like, of the two things, like, which is scarier? Flying. I guess I was more looking at it statistically. What's more likely to me? <laughs> <laughs> a plane or, or a clown? Personally, yeah, I think... I mean, it's context. I mean, if I ran into a clown in a dark alley, like, like I'm not, <laughs> I'd be scared. <laughs> I'm not actually scared of either of them. Yeah, like, I don't avoid yeah. clowns or flying, but... I don't like, like the clown dolls that were in my mum's house. So maybe clowns? Maybe clowns, definitely. And I love that line as well, where Sam's like, at least I'm not scared of planes. And he's like, planes crash. And Sam's like, yeah, and apparently clowns kill. <laughs> Dear, just the siblingness of the whole situation is just very fun. While we're talking about side characters, yeah, let's actually discuss Ash for a minute because we focused on Joe and Ellen a lot. Yeah, I just want to say this is my new campaign. Let Ash swear two K twenty one. Oh my god, yes, I love Ash. Let Ash swear two K twenty one. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think he is just such a bizarre character, and like it's business in the, the front, front party, party in the, the back. back. Yeah, I I love it, and um... what a fantastic actor though. Like, yeah, his he, delivery of those lines is fucking hilarious. Yeah, he, he is a fantastic character. The actor was involved in some Twitter drama, which I won't go into now. But oh, it was it was part of like the big Destiel fallout of twenty twenty one. Anyway, we'll get to that in later episodes, I'm sure. But uh, I also love the fact that he now has like this laptop that's completely hooked up to send up an alert if anything like demon esque happens which is i think cool because it's a nice way for the plot to like yeah i actually like thought to myself like this feels like how they're gonna shelve the main plot yeah which is like they can be like well actually let us know if anything comes up that we can follow and i was like that's and actually quite a clever a built-in explanation for why they'll shift back from monster of the week to overarching plot yeah and it's an easy way like ash could call them as like a cliffhanger at the end of an episode and be like hey like I got an alert sort of thing. I thought actually, like, watching back, it was quite a clever way to write in, yeah, a way to shelve that main plot because otherwise it's sort of like they would have to come up with an excuse every episode as to, like, why we're not hunting the demon and they would have to think of a way to, like, introduce a lead whereas, like, this is just, like, well, Ash could just conveniently call them and give them the lead and it doesn't feel inorganic. One last thing that I wanted to touch on is at the end of the episode, well, throughout the episode... We see uh, Dean fixing up uh, the Impala uh, from the shell that it was after the accident at the end of season one. And I just wanted to make note of the bit at the end of the episode where he kind of, he's spoken to Sam and Sam's admitted that he feels guilty and, you know, he sort of goes off, assumingly, back to speak to Bobby or something. And Dean takes the tire iron or something, like crowbar. Crowbar of something. Yeah, and he smashes the window of the other car, but then he turns it on the Impala and he's just smashing it. Like, he's just taking out all of his pent-up grief and anger and frustration and burden that John's put on him. Like, he's just taking it all out on the car. And why I think it's important to bring this up is because, A, it was John's car, so it's kind of like a metaphorical way of him taking out his aggression on John and the memory of John. But also throughout the series, I've seen a lot of meta analysis that compares the Impala to Dean's mental state. So often if the Impala is in a state of disrepair, it's somehow significant to how Dean is feeling. Like it's almost like a manifestation of his either like, yeah, his emotional state. And, and it could just literally be that when he's in a better emotional state, he takes better care of his car. Yeah. Well, that's exactly yeah. it. But it is worth, I think, just, like, noting that in this instant, he is just, like, beating the shit out of this car that symbolises his dad and also, if you could argue that symbolically, it also symbolises his own mental state and his own well-being. And, like, I think it's... He's, like, physically and metaphorically, like, beating himself up about it, you know? I just thought it was worth bringing up because this is kind of, for me at least, like the start of an interesting series of events regarding like Dean, his emotions regarding John, and also just like the symbolism around like the Impala as well. I'm not good with symbolism. (laughs) That's okay. Look, I'll point it out for you. It's fine. Wow. I'll keep track. It's all good. I'm good at being like, oh, this was weird. Why would they choose to do that? Alrighty, so I think that just about does it for this week's episode. So, Jamie, what would you rate uh, this episode, Everybody Loves a Clown, out of five? A three and a half. 
Oh, okay. So relatively yeah. strong. Yeah. Maybe not my favourite episode of Supernatural, but also, like, I really enjoyed the new characters. Yeah. There was no really massive plot inconsistencies in this one either for us to be, like... Yeah. Other than the rifle thing. That just confused me. Like, <laughs> it was useless. It was unlo- Well, it wasn't useless, but it was, like, why are you holding it as if you're going to shoot him? Yeah. You can't physically shoot him. He just... Anyway. <laughs> and moving on. No, I think three and a half. Alrighty. The next episode is called Bloodlust. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts, predictions, hopes, dreams, fears? So I hear Bloodlust and I think vampires. Okay. But fair. To be fair, I don't think they're going to do another vampire episode so soon. Because that was only like... Relatively recently. Like four episodes ago. And they don't yeah. seem to like... Redo. Other than ghosts, which are like... They have a lot of fun with ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so you don't think it would be vampires that soon? But that's the only thing the title is giving me. That's fair. So I mean, like, bloodlust, supernatural being a vampire is not a difficult not, conclusion yeah. to jump to. Yeah. So, vampire, maybe? It seems weirdly soon to do a vampire episode yeah. after Dead Man's Blood, which is what? 120? Yeah, I think which so. Which is four episodes ago? Mm. Yeah. Also five episodes by the time we're looking at episode yeah. three. Do you have, other than what maybe the monster will be, do you have any other thoughts or like what you'd like to happen? Or is it just kind of smooth sailing so far? Smooth sailing? That's not the right way to describe it. Are you just kind of rolling with it so far? I'm just rolling with it. Just rolling with it? I have very low expectations. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's probably good. <laughs> just in general, watching Supernatural. Okay, if you didn't have anything else to add for this week, no, cool, neither do I. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to get in touch with us, feel free to hit Jamie up on Twitter. She's over there at DriverPixPod. I reckon you could send her a bunch of things you could do with a rifle other than shoot people. Um, alternatively, when you think characters should have been allowed to swear in the CW hit show Supernatural. Let Ash say fuck. 2K21. <laughs> and if you want to find Bethany, she is over on Tumblr at Driver Picks the Podcast. And I think, like, she just, like, we got to start discussing this whole monster potluck thing. <laughs> okay. Who are you inviting? What dishes are you making them bring? Like, where are you hosting it? Like, send me your fan fiction. <laughs> write some fanfic up about Monster Potluck. Like, you know, you gotta have your favorites there. Like, yeah. the demon from Phantom Traveler. Who's bringing what? Who's responsible for the human this time? Yeah. Hell, what sort of like taste, flavor, profile qualities are inherent in like different locations in the world? Does an Australian taste different to an American? Like, what do you think the difference is? <laughs> Send her your recipes. Recipes? (laughs) Send me recipes. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, um, I think we should go. So (laughs) thanks for listening and hopefully we'll have you back next week. Yeah, hope you enjoyed. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Fucking recipes.